Raptors Reasonableness is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real-time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You can all It's not just sports tickets either. You can also get music tickets, theater tickets. Uh, the Raptor, the Raptor's mascot, uh, was at the Celine Dion concert the other night, for example. So if you're looking to check out Celine Dion, Drake was at the Baby concert at, at Rebel the other night. So uh, not just for the Raptors, not just for your favorite sports teams, also for your favorite artists and theater shows. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, Eric Green. Eric, what's going on, man? Not too much. Just got back from uh, taking Walter to the dog park. He even initiated uh, a little playtime, uh, which is very rare for him. Uh, the other dog wasn't having it, though. So, yeah. look, you can't, when, you know... When you when you do these things, you set yourself up for rejection. Neither of us know anything about that. This is why I don't shoot any shots. It's not, yes. not worth it, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Not worth it. This is why You're I never a sniff a butt, so to speak. <laughs> oh boy, Eric, I'm not the only failure. Walter's not the only failure. The Toronto Raptors, giant frauds, huge failures, losers of four of the last five. I'm being a little facetious here, but things are not going particularly well. Uh, that, let's we start... talk. Uh, can we talk about yes. how their one win? I really want to get this movement going. Like that was a moral defeat. Like we always yes. use the term moral victory. We don't use the term moral defeat. That was a yeah. Total they moral they straight defeat. up talked about it. I was in Philly in Chicago, and, and basically after the Philly loss, that that was their third in a row, and this was a team that hadn't lost four games in a row since the Cavs swept them. They were basically, you know, pretty straightforward. That like, hey, yeah, this is a palate cleansing game. We're playing a bad team. We'll get back on track. Uh, and then that did not happen. Not only did they only beat the Bulls ninety three ninety two, and the Bulls are pretty bad. Uh, the both teams were on the second night of a back-to-back, and the Bulls had flight issues, so they didn't get in until 4.30 in the morning. That was as bad a win as you can get. Moral defeat. Let's make Moral it happen. Defeat. Yeah, we're trying to make fetch happen. Had they lost that game, this would be their first five-game losing streak since January of 2017. Wow. January It's been a long time since the Raptors hit a skid this bad. Uh, I'm trying to remember what... What stretch that was. It was just uh, was a that weird one, like, January five-gamer. It was, uh, I think, was right that, before they got PJ and Serge. Mm, that might have been when, like, Fred took over from Corey Joseph as backup point guard briefly. Uh, yeah. Unless I'm mixing it up. Because uh, I wrote, like, a big, long story about how they were, as you put it last night, going through it. Yeah. Going through some stuff. Now, there are caveats, obviously. Uh, they Always. have played a tremendously difficult stretch of schedule, playing the Miami Heat, the Houston Rockets, at Philadelphia, and then last night the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, three of those games are at home. When they had a rough record against teams above 500 earlier in the season, we could point to, well, they'd only lost on the road. I think they were 3-4 and four before this stretch against teams above 500. Yeah. All of those losses coming on the road, one of them on the fifth game of a West Coast trip, uh, one of them even heavily shorthanded. 
Pardon? I'm just I'm just being your hype man. I was like, doesn't even count. No, you uh, can't count to a loss. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Yes. Uh, anyway, they've now lost the veil of that. They have lost three games at home in a row uh, for the first time in quite a long time also, and they've lost them to good teams. Uh, the record against teams above 500 has sunk well below 500 itself. They're still undefeated <laughs> against bad teams because of that Bulls win, but... Um, you know, that's kind of what good, not great teams do. They beat the lower teams and then they lose to the teams above them. I'm not willing to call them complete frauds yet, but I do think before we get into the specifics of this streak, I do think where we've landed here now, they're 16 and eight, which is a 55 win pace still ahead of what either of us predicted for the year. And I think some, a record most people would have taken before the season sequencing here matters though as does the way they've been losing. I think where they've ended up after this streak, if you assume this was a clean cutoff point and Saturday's the start of a new season segment, which it's not, that doesn't, that's not how it works, but for the purposes of uh, this conversation, they're pretty much around where we expected. They're a pretty good defense. They're an offense that has kind of a low floor and struggles sometimes, and they're going to struggle against the best teams in the league because they're good, but not one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, I mean... Shoot, watching that game last night is like they could uh, really use Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> that would help. Uh, and, you know, there's any number of places to start with uh, to really delve into the details of this conversation. Uh, I personally think the most interesting is Pascal Siakam. Uh, he's, you know, other than that sort of first quarter and the moral defeat against the Bulls, uh, he has not looked good over the stretch. Uh, he had some moments against the Clippers, uh, but he's just, the body language isn't great. The production obviously, you know, contributing to that. And, and it's it's what you would expect from a player who's just learning how to do this. Uh, this being, you know, lead a, an offense night in and night out as the number one option and being game planned around. But, uh, you know, it, it, Hopefully, you would hope that he picks some things up from Leonard, not not so much in terms of his game, but just in terms of his attitude. And he just, at points of this stretch, he, he's either looked invisible or, or just a bit defeated. And I think, you know, what we saw last year is teams take a lot from their best players, and that's not a great vibe to be giving off. Uh, I, I, again, I would temper my concerns like within the context of this five-game stretch. I still think if you look at his numbers overall, they're, they're pretty good, and I, I have confidence that you know this is somewhere around where he'll end up. But, you know, you are, you know, troubling times reveal character, and... You know, I'm not saying he's weak by any stretch, but it's it hasn't been great for him. And uh, as a large part, you know, a consequence of that is it hasn't been great for the whole team. It has not. Uh, this has been mostly felt on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, after they beat the holy hell out of Utah last Sunday, the Raptors ranked fifth in the league in offensive rating, third in defense rating, and second in net rating. In the five games since, they fall into 28th on offense, 12th on defense, 26th in net rating. Obviously, them falling to 12th on defense is not great. That's a big slide from, from ranking third beforehand. And given the concerns we had about their offense entering the season, they really need that defense to fuel the offense. 
The offense falling to 28th, though, is obviously a bigger concern. That's a huge drop-off. They're scoring 13 fewer points per 100 possessions. What's what's more is that even though the defense has slid, they've still done a really good job forcing turnovers to kickstart the transition offense. So this is really, really isolated to the half-court offense, the struggles. Per data from Cleaning the Glass, their last five games have ranked in the 37th, 50th, 12th, 10th, and second percentile in terms of half-court <laughs> points per possession, even though some of these defenses are pretty good, including the Clippers and the Heat. That is not great. You you can't put up a 10th percentile half-court performance against an average Bulls defense. And yes, I was also surprised to see the Bulls are an average defense uh, so far this year. That is really, really bad. And I think, you know, obviously offense plays into defense and defense plays into offense and your pace in transition and semi-transition you know feeds into how you're attacking it and where the defense is set as you're attacking the half court uh, but to be a little reductive with it almost all of the most glaring and most concerning struggles are coming with the half court offense you went into what's happening with pascal siakam that's a factor obviously i think he's a guy that if the offense were humming around him a little bit more, he might be more comfortable because what we're seeing from defenses right now is, you know, not quite to the aggression level of the Raptors' own defense, but teams are willing to stop Siakam or limit Siakam, and they don't really care if Norman Powell is going off against Lou Williams because that's isolated to Norman Powell, and I think they know that he's not going to get teammates going. Um, and then you have things like, you know, the Raptors don't have a lot of secondary shot creation, especially with Fred Van Bleed out. And over the last five games, they're hitting 27% on threes. And what kind of league is it, Eric? It's a, uh, apparently right now, it's just a miss league. You, it's all a you miss, miss or miss or miss league. A miss yes. again. They had that one possession last night that was the type that we saw, we've seen them on the other end of, where they just missed three pointers over, over, over and over The one again. with 100 offensive rebounds? Uh, and they just kept on getting the offensive rebounds, and then eventually the refs, who we know are part of the NBA conspiracy against uh, Canada, called a loose ball foul on on Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Yeah, Hollis-Jefferson had a t- tough whistle in that one. A lot of fouls. Uh, what was that? Four, four in like five minutes in the first half, or something like that. Terrence Davis, watch out. <laughs> Jake Voskel, watch out. Yes. Um, I don't know but if yeah, it's uh, ever coming down. But um, the the thing I'm interested in, and I'm gonna dive into a little bit today, I think, is how much of them that. The offensive struggles is just them missing threes that they were hitting earlier in the year. And now, you know, the, the obvious answer is a bit. Uh, <laughs> but more than that, this was a team that was one of the best shooting teams in the league. You know, true, true shooting percentage from the free throw line and from three point, uh, from the three-point range. The three-point range. That's good speaking, Eric. Um, and I don't think, especially with three-point shooting, that was something we expected this year. Yes, they roll out lineups uh, in which Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is really the only non-three-point shooter, guy who absolutely you don't want taking those. But they also have a decided lack of great shooters, uh, other than you know Van Vliet and, and Lowry when he's going. 
and uh, Mr. 99% over there with the broken finger. Uh, so how much, uh, you know, 28%, 25%, whatever it's been over the past five games, that's obviously a steep regression, uh, but how much of the first 20 games was a lie? That's sort of what I'm interested in. Some of it. I think before the year, my extremely crude expected three three percentage metric had them like low 36%. So mm-hmm. obviously not as bad as 27%. That was also the assumption there was a lot of Lowry and Van Bleet threes and maybe not this many from, um, you know, not non-shooters, but Terrence Davis had no shooters. Terrence Davis had no track record. Uh, yes, I did so not. That, that model did not look favorably at Terrence Davis's shooting potential in year one. I think he was at like thirty-four percent or something. Like and man, that. he's stepping into him like that's uh, he. As we've discussed, he misses wildly sometimes, but uh, I do like the way he's stepping into those shots. If we want to keep it mildly optimistic, I know some fans were a bit annoyed that he was brought in after McCaw in the second half against uh, the Clippers. And if I had to bet, I don't think I was in the Lakers or the Clippers room after the game. I wasn't with the Raptors. I don't think Nick Nurse was asked about that minute of a, of a moment. And, you know, the, he was not. Kawhi, the Kawhi return game. If I had to guess, it was because Terrence Davis looked really overwhelmed as a creator out there. He made a, you know, against a great defense, he made a few decisions that just came one or two beats too late as you would sort of expect from a player basically learning a new position uh against an absolutely elite defense uh overall i think this is going to be a thing by the way with the davis or mccaw thing obviously nick nurse is very fond of patrick mccaw i don't think we and a lot of our listeners see the same things that he maybe does uh i don't I think Wakaw had a great showing, although obviously that was 10 minutes in his first game back after a long time off. It's been a long week. Maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe at the office. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Uh, Ordering's easy. Just open the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you. Very straightforward. You know how to use this stuff. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code RAPTORS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code RAPTORS. Don't forget, that's promo code RAPTORS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Um, The thing with Davis making mistakes as a playmaker, though, is one, I mean, he's being asked to be a point guard when he's not a point guard as a rookie, so you kind of understand some of those. But relative to throwing McCaw in that role, or even Norman Powell, who's like, even when he's the nominal point guard, is score is he's straight-line drive score-oriented, Davis is at least trying to make those passes. He's trying yeah. to make high lows. He's trying to find the guys in the dunker. He was trying. He even tried a couple pocket passes to Serge Ibaka in the pick and roll, which didn't work out. Did not out, go but, well. <laughs> no. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. And obviously, you, you know, the against the Clippers in what at that point was a close-ish game is not the time that you want to be working on those things. But from a process side, I think he's at least showing, you know, the right things. Uh, and then Absolutely. also there's the, yeah. there's go, the matter that he has the best net rating on the team other than Marc Gasol in what's a pretty tasty sample now. Um, Chris Boucher and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, their individual numbers have come down a little bit. That trio was really good together. I don't know that they're going to play much together anymore. Which kind of brings me to one of the thing, another one of the things that's been tough during this stretch. 
Serge Ibaka doesn't look quite right. And they played it so cautious with his return. Like, it, they thought he'd be back one weekend, and then they waited a whole extra week. So I don't know it's that he's not 100%. He seems to lack lift a little bit right now on his jumper around the rim on defense. And then maybe more to the point, especially when the Raptors only have one point guard, so he's spending some minutes without Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet. Um, you know, those bench units aren't really fitting super well together. And whether that's with Boucher or without him, there's not a ton of spacing there. Abaka can hit a three, but he doesn't space the floor even the same way a Marcus Saul does. Um, Chris Boucher is willing to take threes, but teams don't really respect that yet. Uh, you have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who you mentioned, is a non-shooting threat and basically has the stick in the dunker. Um, so then when you throw a Terrence Davis as the point guard or it's a Pascal Siakam or Norman Powell-led bench unit, uh, there's really not a lot of space there. There's really not a lot of shot creation individually there. Um, what do you what are you seeing from the bench, and, and what what might you look to tweak there? Because I don't think uh, even if Patrick McCaw is good in terms of what that unit does well and what that unit does poorly, I don't think he's really a solution to that. Yeah, it's asking a lot, um, and I think this is the big lesson of having and then losing a superstar. Right is. You need all of your guys, basically, when you're in these situations. And, and I know that the, Low the you know, games without Lowry and Ibaka would challenge the point I'm about to make. Uh, but when you lose Fred Van Vliet from an already, you know, starless system, all, all of a sudden guys are asked to do way too much. And if... You know, your substitution patterns aren't perfect, or if you're trying to, like, like last night, I, I think Nick Nurse stuck with the starters together for too long because just because of what we're talking about, because the group needs to be staggered in a, in a certain way to have enough of everything on the floor at the same time. But also, you can't make a, you can't come back from a 20 point deficit unless you get to five first. And they were going so well that you can understand why Nick Nurse was hesitant to make a, a move sooner because everybody else just, you know, is, is struggling and and, uh, and scuffling it in such a way. So there's just, again, the shots aren't going in and then there's not enough play creation on the floor. I think through this week, the best Raptor, I think we'd both agree, has been Marc Gasol. Um, he's been kind of great uh, and that goes on both ends and when they don't have him on the floor, whether it's with the starters or with the bench, uh, there's just a, a lack of an exit valve uh, uh, to, to create that secondary playmaking in a sort of different way. And it's not going to come from Ibaka. Ibaka's look really stiff, and, and you know, other than a few block shots, uh, he, he just doesn't look like he looked earlier in the year. And it's concerning. I don't think it's time to say, you know, Mark Gasol come off the bench, surge start because I don't think that accomplishes much. Uh, the, I think they tried to bring out, they brought in surge early against the Clippers, but I think that had more to do with guarding Montrez Harrell. Uh, but I, I think this just really shows how badly you need both Lowry and Van Vliet, and since they're two undersized point guards who are playing, you know, thirty-eight minutes a night or whatever, the, sometimes they're not going to have them, and that's the result. Uh, I, I know that's not a great prescriptive answer. Do you do you have a better idea of what sort of necessary or, or what can be done in the interim? 
No, not really. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I'd probably, even with both of them struggling individually, I'd probably try to, you know, more ardently make sure that one of Lowry or Siakam is on the court. Just there were too many lineups. And again, the game was getting out of hand, so it doesn't really matter that much. And those gigantic lineups are at least fun to look at. Um, but there were too many. There were a couple instances where there was no, like where Terrence Davis or Norman Powell was the guy with the ball in their hand too much. And I think obviously a strict stagger can get a little difficult with game flow and, and sometimes with matchups. Um, but I'd probably try to make sure one of Lowry or Siakam are on at all times. And, then and I think, to be fair, I haven't gone through the numbers, but I think they were probably pretty close to having that last night. They were. But, there were know, just a couple. There were yeah. just a couple minutes, and, and it gets glaring when that's not the case. Yeah. Um, but more looking forward, when Van Bleet's back, and Van Bleet's questionable. Like it's it's a day to day thing, but they're not going to push it. So when he comes back. And this is difficult for me to say as someone who really likes the bench players and likes to see them get more run. I wonder if they might need to, because the bench pieces with Hollis Jefferson, um, Boucher, and Ibaka, and then even if it's McCaw in there for one of those guys, because those pieces don't fit super, super seamlessly, and Powell moving back to the bench isn't going to make that much better given his strengths, particular strengths and weaknesses. I wonder if the staggering needs to be in two-man pairings where, um, you know, two of Lowry, one of Lowry and Van Vliet and one of Siakam and Gasol are always kind of on the floor, you know, even if that means some Abaka-Gasol front courts, um, just to get that extra playmaking and kind of raise the play of those, those bench guys. I don't think it'll actually get that extreme. I think they'll probably, you know, they'll probably trust the Kyle and bench unit still, and they might even give a Siakam and bench unit some looks. Uh, but obviously when you have Van Bleet back, then you have four guys that you're okay staggering with to, to try to prop up those bench lineups. So that'll help a little bit. Van Bleet coming back would help a lot of things. He's pretty good. And I, I appreciated your point about how the Raptors so desperately need both of these guys, and that's been highlighted of late, because I've, I've thought too much of the discussion has been, and granted, Kyle Lowry has played very poorly since since coming back other than maybe the philly game um too much of the discussion has been about fred versus he was, Lowry he was and, fine and, he was fine against houston too he had he had some yeah, moments he was fine against against houston. Houston. yeah but he's he's also shooting 28 percent over five games yeah. and he's you know 20.5 percent on threes over that span so yeah, yeah. it's yeah. uh and he's getting rare minuses he's yeah, not doing it, the whole, it wasn't nice that they put driving play it wasn't nice that they put Kawhi Leonard on him last night. I thought that was yeah. kind of rude. Mean. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also the Clippers, and really, Lou Williams is the only good guy to have on you. Yes. The Clippers but, are really good. Last night did yeah. not dissuade me from my preseason pick of the Clippers winning the NBA championship. That, too, was my preseason pick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They have the some Lakers guys. are they also might... quite good, as are the Bucks. But Yeah. They might need, like, another... I don't know. It'd be nice to have another creator, but you could say that about every team, you know? Like, it'd be yes. nice to cut down on the Mo Harkless minutes. And I like Mo Harkless fine, but, or, or you know, Beverly's a bit overextended in his role. But these are, as we learned last year, these are championship team, you know, caliber team problems, not yes. actual problems. Yes, they, they employ Lou Williams, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, and you're asking for another shot creator. This is... This is how. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking how their the league is. Yeah, I'm just thinking how their front office is undeniably thinking. You know, yeah. like, uh, 
the top of the league is really good. World. Yeah, and the Raptors aren't there. And that's and kind that's... of. I... Go Sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was, I was just going to say this, that, that's, that's kind just, of it's what, a change. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's just a change. Oh, man, like, uh, and that's what last night exposed. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. It's Christmas time. If you have a hype beast on your shopping list, hit up StockX, uh, Bay Palace, Kith, Jordans, everything you need on StockX. If you want in on all the hype, check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today. I think it also, you know, the top heaviness of the league, especially in the East, also highlights why a five-game stretch like this is, you know, more concerning than maybe if you if you zoom out after 82 games, this five-game stretch might not be all that big a deal. Um, but in the moment, you know, the Raptors are down to fifth in the East and they're only half a game up on sixth. And given the quality of... You know, I think everyone thought the top five in the East would be good. I included Indiana in that group. Brooklyn has probably impressed more than I thought, especially through Kyrie Irving's injury. So suddenly you're looking at, you know, the one seed that Milwaukee's starting to run away with is very valuable because that might be the only seed that gets you a weak opponent. And then playing for home court in not just the second round, but even the first round is suddenly really important. So these skids, you know, especially dropping games to Philly and Miami uh, at home, those are or rather not not at home to Philly, but in Philly and at home to Miami, those are potential tiebreaker games. So the timing of this skid, even acknowledging the confluence of factors with the injuries, with the returns from injuries, with the cold shooting variants, um, it's poorly timed. It's not, it's not great. Um, so Kyle, you're, I mean, I think both of us are probably in the same place with Kyle where we expect him to figure this out. There's much too large a sample to suggest otherwise. Anyway, the point I was going to make before we got into the Lowry performance tangent was that you mentioned how important both Lowry and Van Vliet are to this team. And I was glad you made that point because so much of this, the discussion, at least in my mentions and some of the comments, has been about, well, this highlights that Van Vliet is better than Lowry or should be, you know, should move ahead of Lowry in the def- whatever pecking order you have. And I don't think that's the case because I don't think, you know, Fred stepped in for Kyle really well and, and ate on some you know, they had good performances against some good teams too, but that was a pretty, that was a sub 500 schedule while Lowry was out. Um, and, you know, this is not to say Van Vliet isn't very good because he is, and he is turning in a borderline all defense season two. But I think what this has highlighted and what the lesser games when Lowry was out has highlighted is that, yeah, maybe it's not optimal for two of your best three players to be sub six foot point guards, uh, but they're both incredibly important to the success that this team is or is not going to have. Yeah, I just wish we could not do the Kyle's bad thing every time Kyle is a bad stretch. <laughs> like, yeah, but we have to uh, because that's what people are going to say. Yeah, I... And I get it. He's getting older, uh, and the offense beyond the shots not going in has has looked more stagnant. There's been a lot of Lowry dribbling and... And, you know, waiting for screens near the end of the shot clock, which, again, I'd suggest is a product of the offense not working properly beyond Kyle just having the ball in his hands. Uh, But, yeah, they're both incredibly important, and they're both really productive players, and 
you know, maybe Van Vliet's getting to a point where he's nearly as valuable as as Lowry, although I'm not ready to say that given, as you alluded to, the sample size. But this is a team without a true superstar now, and they need all three of their, you know, all-star caliber or, you know, guys in that vague conversation, uh, at least when you include Van Vliet, uh, they need all those guys because it's a team where the sum has to be greater than its parts, but it's hard for a team built like this to do that when they don't have all of those parts to begin with. There's just, you know, I think this is a long way of saying they have so little margin for error uh, this year compared to uh, last year and even years before that when they had DeMar DeRozan as just sort of an offensive floor uh, on this team. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's kind of... It's it's funny, you know, we we use priors or we change what we're thinking of the team on the fly and they had that really encouraging stretch where it looked like they were better than we maybe expected and we started to shift some of those expectations moving forward and now they've had this dip and it's kind of what well, looks worse than we expected, but they're kind of where we expected and, and the biggest thing for me in projecting them for, I think I said 48 or 49 wins and third in the East, was I thought the offensive floor was too low if Lowry or Siakam missed time. Uh, Silly me to not include Fred Van Vliet in that as well. But I think the schedule, you know, it, this has been an unfortunate time to go through an offensive slump and have this stuff going on. And, and uh, Eric, but, one more thing. And I think, Sorry, like, it's not it's not a coincidence, you know? Like, the, yeah. the fact that they're going through it now beyond Van Vliet being out is because of that schedule. So the two are obviously related. Go on. Well, there is relief coming. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are playing pretty well, and they're in Toronto on Saturday after that, though, they get the Cleveland Cavaliers, they go to visit the Detroit Pistons, and then they host the Washington Wizards, who have been good and fun, but are pretty bad defensively. So uh, some opportunities ahead to get the offense right, uh, particularly if Fred Van Bleet comes back at any point. Eric, one more note on the losing streak that was before we do a quick look ahead to those games. Uh, the Kawhi Leonard tribute and the video I thought was pretty perfect I, I talked to you know there were some national writers who were concerned that there's no right way to do something like that because it's never been done before this situation with leonard leaving is unprecedented well i think the raptors did a pretty good job showing there is a right way to do it and that was it i thought it was great bunch of negative negative nancy's uh if there's no right way to do it there's no wrong way to do it like why sure. is why is one true over the other it was pretty cool. I didn't notice the footsteps thing uh, first, so I feel like kind of an idiot. This is probably where being the lead NBA writer at the Athletic Canada didn't help. I, I assume if I were in the gondola, I, I would have had a better, you know, I'd be more naturally looking in that direction. Uh, the lesson is I'm an idiot. Uh, but that was, you know, upon watching it again, that was obviously really cool. I thought it was really cool to have all the players that played with them out there. Um, you know, always fun to see George Cope of Bell Media out there. And look, you're never going to get much emotionally from Kawhi Leonard. And that's sort of what I wrote about at The Athletic. I haven't read the comments section. I don't anticipate it's going to be particularly friendly. And that's okay. Um, but, uh, it was cool. He seemed appreciative and, uh, you know, everybody that I talked to 
uh, or that I heard speaking about it seemed to be raving about it. And uh, for something that really hadn't been done before, uh, that's pretty cool. I don't think it was a night that, you know, if the Raptors employed just a little bit of common sense, I don't think it was going to be screwed up because I don't think there was any way that he was getting booed in any in any meaningful way, whatever they did. You know, if it was just a token video package, welcome back, here's your ring from Kyle, like that would have been fine and good. And they went above and beyond and it was, you know, pretty great. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's nice to kind of close the book on that. And I don't think, I honestly don't think it was a distraction, uh, but I also don't think it hurts to just be able to say firmly now that that's, in the rear view, they don't play the Clippers again. They don't play Kawhi again. Danny Green comes back in, I think, March, but that's not, you know, that doesn't carry quite the same weight, although it'll be it'll be fun still. Um, I think that's there's an element of getting to look forward like that now. Yeah, I don't think it really matters, but uh, th- this was certainly a signpost game. And, yeah. and, like, we saw just by based on how many national writers were in the house last night... Uh, like this there there will be similar attention although not as much for the christmas game because that's you know a night or a day where the attention will more or less be spread out equally five ways or if you want to you know maybe two ways and then the raptors and celtics and whatever the two later games are are sort of on that slightly lower pedestal uh but how dare you yeah well (laughs) <laughs> the, the noon, the I was about to say the noon o'clock. The noon game is not the glamour spot. If Raptors fans need something to be angry about when they play on Christmas, it uh, does allow me to get home the night of Christmas Day, though. So I appreciate it. Yes, the Raptors playing right. six games from the twenty second to the thirty first is. Uh, I I don't complain about this job often. My mom, however, complains not, about it a lot. Not super thrilled <laughs> about my Christmas being uh, the evening of the 25th through the 27th. And that's it. Sorry, mom. Sorry, Blake's mom. There's no way she's listening to this anyway. She did. She did ask though, when the schedule came out and I told her I wouldn't be home. She was like, isn't Eric Jewish? I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to not cover the first Christmas yeah. game. Since if I you want to, I'll co- I can cover it alone. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's fine. You're the lead writer. You get Christmas off. <laughs> get, New- get New Year's off. Get all sorts of stuff off. All, none all of, none of, of this is true for the record. You don't get sent to the gondola when certain national writers need a seat. Unbelievable. Uh, you could have sat in my seat. I didn't offer it today, but I had. Do you even last know night. how to get to the gondola? You go. Uh, you know. Uh, is there like that's, a? That's what a I do, you, do you like? Is there like a device that pulls you up? Like do you just hang on? Yeah, it's like called hard work. work. It's, it's your bootstraps <laughs> that pull you up there. Not that you'd know anything about it. All right. Uh, so the Raptors, this downturn, you know, if you look at the entire season picture now, they're still eighth in net rating. Obviously, the record versus uh, above 500 teams and below 500 teams is not super friendly. Uh, but we know that net rating is a pretty helpful predictor of, you know, future performance and, and where a team's at. Obviously, this is 24 games is a pretty small sample. 20 games is about when you start seeing some stabilization in this, but the Raptors have had a particularly noisy start to the season. Their offense right now ranks 16th 
I think coming into the year, we said they'd be about an average offense, and then you might, you know, hope for better from there. Their defense, still sixth, tied for fifth, actually, with the Boston Celtics. So it hasn't been... Oh, that was the one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and we're, we're running yeah. tight on time here, so we don't we can't go into it too well, deep. But I don't uh, think we Doc need to Rivers... talk about the games that are coming up that much. Uh, so let's... let's. I was going to ask you about this, so let's Yeah, so let's Doc go. Rivers kind of mentioned after the game that the, the Clippers were ready for the traps that the Raptors had been throwing at Stars. Um, they prepped for it. They talked about it. Kawhi Leonard was much ready, much more ready for them than uh, he was in the last meeting. Obviously, Paul George being back has some element of effect on that. Uh, but we saw Jimmy Butler deal pretty well with them. We saw James Harden pass well out of those. And even though the Rockets scored poorly in the half court in that game, uh, they scored pretty well overall and, and shot a lot of pretty good corner threes. Do you think it's time for Nick Nurse to ratchet the aggression back on that particular strategy and throw something else out there? Like, is this is this something that catches teams off guard, but if very talented players are ready for it, it it's just a little less effective? Oddly, like, I was going to say the Chicago game was a bit concerning with this, too, because I just thought they missed a lot of open threes. <laughs> um, yeah. Not that that's, you know, the Bulls tend to do that. Uh, but... Especially when Van Vliet got, comes back and you have another guy who can just keep defender or keep ball handlers in front of you, uh, I, I would dial it back a little bit. That doesn't mean it's not a very useful tool in the toolbox and all these reps are meaningful, but you know, being so aggressive with traps can become predictable in its own way. Like aggressiveness can be predictable, just like passiveness can be predictable so uh, i think having a full roster of players should allow you to mix things up more than they have like if i if i wanted to criticize the performance against houston is it looked the same every time more or less you know not every time but pretty close and the rockets knew exactly where players should move um and they still turned it over 23 times uh, because Russell Westbrook played a truly terrible game, but um, was that was the that was the worst triple double I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. and I saw the Ben Uzo game. Um, well, that was the greatest triple double <laughs> you've ever seen. Uh, so I, I think it does need to, you know, you, it's a cliche in this league whenever you see a star player that he has to see different bodies and different looks. But you know, most cliches are true for a reason. So I do think. It has to be more of an option than the option. And uh, there are enough capable perimeter defenders on this roster, and there's enough versatility uh, where you can just get into switching rather than, and, and you know, Van Vliet and Lowry hurts that, but it's not impossible. And they're both good post defenders, as we've discussed before, uh, that I think you can dial the switching back and, you know, use it use it more sparingly uh i agree og yeah. ananobi's been he's back to being really good defensively yeah. still concerned about siakam on that end yeah uh so let's look ahead uh you know the next couple games don't really have the type of offensive talent you'd you'd really employ that strategy against normally anyway uh, the brooklyn nets our last update on kyrie irving certainly suggests he won't play as of uh, Wednesday, he was still not cleared for contact and was planning to ramp up his workload over the next week or two. So uh, that is uh, 
you know, he certainly seems unlikely for that game. He'd be the kind of guy that you maybe want to do that just because he shoots so many threes and gets it off so quickly uh, with that step back or the or the deep, deep pull-up that maybe you'd want to get the ball out of his hands. Otherwise, though, you know, no, no disrespect to Colin Sexton. No disrespect to Reggie Jackson. Well, why can't uh, you show disrespect think... to Colin Sexton? Kevin Love is doing it. Yeah, that's true. Kevin Love is showing disrespect to the to the entire Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, not his best stretch of basketball. What an effort to get traded. You gotta love yeah. it. Yeah. No. No sense of upping your value. Let's let's just well, get get out. It's got a yeah. Like he. It's not the professional thing to do, but I think everybody can relate to being in a somewhat toxic workplace where you feel like people don't have any idea of what they're doing <laughs> around yeah. you like that uh i've been there once or twice i'm there right now with a co-worker <laughs> who doesn't know what he's doing uh, all right that was, Brooklyn, that, was a, Cleveland. that was a mean thing to say about producer tyler what he's uh what he's off <sighs> all right brooklyn cleveland <laughs> at detroit we'll talk to you sometime after that eric thanks so much man i will see you at practice tomorrow i guess you're coming to practice? I thought you were taking that day off. Yeah, I made headway on a, a couple of those pieces mm. today. So I was up okay. at 7 this morning and just kind oh, of no. grinding away at them. Okay. I emailed you the Chuck thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad we're, we're talking about this on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's yeah. go. Let, let us right, leave. See ya. See ya.